Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, episode 64. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion, and live the life of your dreams. After years of contributing to the profession of small firm architecture through my weekly blog post, my weekly newsletter, and here at the Entrepreneur Architect podcast, I wanted to make Entrepreneur Architect even more interactive, even more influential. I wanted to create a place where small firm architects could go to learn directly, face-to-face from one another. I wanted a place where we could invite experts on specific topics of success in business and leadership in life to meet with us and teach us the fundamentals of success. So this past summer, I launched Entrepreneur Architect Academy, and I know you've heard me talk about it every week. Each week, dozens of small firm architects, members of Entrepreneur Architect Academy, come together on a private go-to meeting face-to-face on a video conference. And we've become friends, and we've actively worked to help one another become more successful. And I've learned so much from these people and I've learned so much from the experts who join us. And recently, the topic of one of our weekly meetings was partnerships. And I invited a friend, 
our friend here at the Entrepreneur Architect podcast from episode 12, Rena Klein. She is the owner of RM Klein Consulting. We invited her to join us at the Academy. And we had such a great conversation and we learned so much about what it takes to enjoy a successful partnership. And this week, right here on the Entrepreneur Architect podcast, I want to share what we learned. This week, I want to share the seven truths of a successful small firm partnership. So stick with me. I'll be right back. This episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast is brought to you by, yes, Entrepreneur Architect Academy, a community of like-minded architects seeking to take their small firms to greater success. And today I'm sharing a bit about the Academy here on the podcast, so I'm not going to get into a big, long promotion here. But if you're interested in learning more about Entrepreneur Architect Academy, please visit entrearchitect.com slash academy. So it was a few weeks back in the Academy that Rena Klein came and joined us uh, for our weekly video conference. And uh, we spoke about partnership. Uh, Rena is the author of The Architect's Guide to Small Firm Management. And she shared an excerpt from her book with all of the members, free excerpt from her book, uh, to all the members of the Academy. Um, you can buy her book at Amazon and any of the other local bookstores. Um, I'll also have a, sh uh, a link in the show notes for Arena's book, The Architect's Guide to Small Firm Management. Uh, you can find that at entrearchitect.com slash episode 64. And we spoke about partnerships at that uh, conference. And we, um, we talked about the motivations for partnerships. Why would you want a partnership? Um, you might want to be uh, focused on growth and, and you can't do it alone. You, you might have uh, certain strengths in what you do, but you need to fill the gaps uh, for your weaknesses and find a partner who might be able to, to fill those gaps. Uh, you need to think about what type of partner do you need. Back in the early 90s, when I was still at Roger Williams University, uh, we had a visit for our uh, weekly uh, um, uh, lecture series. Gene Cohn from KPF came to Roger Williams University. It's probably around 1991, uh, maybe 1992. Uh, Gene Cohn, the K in KPF, one of my favorite firms of all time. I love their architecture and the way they work. And Gene Cohn came and spoke about, sort of talked about success in architecture and, and spoke about his partnership with William Pedersen and Sheldon Fox, the K, the P, and the F, KPF, Cohn, Pedersen, Fox. Gene is the business guy. He's the guy who ran the operations, ran, uh, uh, um, got the work, did did what he needed to do to keep the business of the uh, of KPF running. William Pedersen, to this day, is the leader of uh, of design. He was the design partner, and Sheldon Fox, who died in two thousand six, but at the time, Sheldon Fox was the money guy. He was the guy who kept the finances in order for KPF. And so they each had their roles and their responsibilities, and, and it was probably one of the reasons why they were such a successful partnership. So if you're considering taking on a partner at your small firm, 
there are, are some things that you can do to set it up to have a better chance for success. There are reasons why my partnership with my wife and, and partner here at Five Cat Studio, Anne-Marie McCarthy, why they, there, there are reasons why our partnership works, separate from the fact that we're a happily married couple. Um, there's reasons why our partnership works and why it's a successful partnership. Um, much like a successful marriage or any successful long-term relationship, there are things you need to do and there are things that you should never do uh, to make a partnership successful. There are truths of success and there are truths of a successful partnership. So here today on the Entrepreneur Architect podcast, I'm going to share what I learned during our weekly video conference with Rena Klein and, and uh, speaking among the, the many members who showed up that day to have this conversation because that's what we do every week. We have a, a discussion about a topic and that topic was partnership. We discovered seven truths of a successful small firm partnership. So, so I'm going to talk about them here today on the podcast. So the first truth in a successful small firm partnership, in my opinion, and these are, these are my, my truths. Um, this is just from reviewing the recording of that session, which is available to all the members, um, and taking notes and kind of learning what we learned recalling what we learned the first truth is that successful partnerships are compatible you need to find somebody that you can get along with much like a marriage much like Anne Marie and I when we first started dating we very quickly learned that we were compatible uh, and partnerships are very much like marriages they are you need to find somebody that you click with and for Anne Marie and myself we are very much opposites um, especially in business. Anne-Marie is um, a, a fantastic designer, loves design and loves uh, the art of architecture. And I love business. I love the way business works. And so uh, I'm not such a fan or, or I, don't, I don't enjoy designing as much as I used to. I much prefer to do the business end of things. And Anne-Marie doesn't really want to do the business end of things. She wants to be a designer and an architect. And so we make a perfect partnership. Um, and sometimes I, I joke to say that we are together the perfect architect, one who is a great designer who loves to run a business. And so successful partnerships are compatible. You, you must have compatibility with your partner. So that is the first truth of a successful small firm partnership. The second truth of a successful small firm partnership is a successful partnership must have defined roles and responsibilities. And so much like what I just described with Anne-Marie and myself, we, we have uh, our place. We have our roles and our responsibilities. When we first met, uh, one of the first things we did, one, probably the first week we actually knew each other, both being architects, we wanted to design together. And so we sat down and we started designing a house. And the more uh, Anne-Marie designed and the more I designed, and we were designing on the same sketch. So we were talking about, you know, what if this and what if that? And she would sketch and I would sketch. And she's a very fine, detailed person. And I like to be rough and scrambly. And, you know, so it didn't, it wasn't very compatible. We, we did not work very well together. Uh, and it was probably the last time that we attempted to design directly on the same sheet of paper. Um, but 
it's very, very important that you have your defined roles and responsibilities. Anne-Marie's role and responsibility at Five Cat Studio is design. She is the design. She is the partner in charge of design. So she is in charge of the design at Five Cat Studio. I collaborate with her. Uh, the people who work with us collaborate with her. But Anne-Marie's decisions are final when it comes to design. And my role and my responsibility in the business at Five Cat Studio is business and, and management and marketing and sales. And so I lead that uh, part of the business and that is my role. And so one of the reasons why we are so successful as a partnership is that I respect her role and her responsibility and she respects mine. And so when it's time to talk about design, she is the leader in that conversation. And when it's time to talk about business and, and the future of our firm, it's my time to talk about, about uh, or I'm the one that leads that conversation. So it's very much about defined roles and responsibilities. One member in the academy was describing how um, in his partnership was that uh, one partner was the front end partner and the other partner was the back end partner. So one partner was sort of out there getting the work and kind of uh, getting the, the work to come into the firm. And the other partner was responsible, responsible for getting that work done. And so they had a very, uh, defined role as well. So one was the front end and one was the back end and, and it, and it worked very well. And so the second truth of a successful small firm partnership is, um, successful partnerships must have defined roles and responsibilities. So the third truth of a successful small firm partnership is that, and this is from personal experience, successful partnerships must have dedicated separate workspaces. Um, when Anne-Marie and I tried to design together, we very quickly learned that if we were going to have a successful partnership in business, that she needed her space and I needed my space. And um, originally when we uh, started the firm. My studio is in the basement and Amory's studio was a dedicated space on the second floor of our home. And then when we grew and we grew out of the house, uh, Amory's studio remained in the, in the house, which is where she wants it to be. And my studio moved out to the Pleasantville studio about 10 minutes away from where we live here in Chappaqua. And then in November, when we uh, closed that studio, that public studio, and and moved to the virtual business model. Uh, we built a new separate studio at the house for me. And so we are now both working from the house here in Chappaqua, but Anne-Marie is uh, two stories above me. And so we are, we are still separate uh, in our own dedicated workspaces. And that is very important to us that we have physical space where we can work separately and uh, and have space where we can come together as partners and have uh, conversations when we need to and and be able to communicate when we want to, but have a place to go, especially as a married partner, um, to, to be in the same space 24 hours a day uh, would be difficult. And so in order to make our partnership in the business work as well as our marriage, uh, we have very defined, dedicated, separate workspaces. And that works very, very well for us. Uh, I know several architects who are married and or were married and um, uh, their, their relationships, 
failed. And, and I would probably suspect that they failed because the partnership in the business failed. And very often they had either uh, trying to take on the same responsibility and roles or they worked from the same space and they just uh, spent too much time together. And so uh, as much as you might love someone, uh, you, it's not healthy to be in the same room and working from the same space 24 hours a day. And so you need your own dedicated separate workspaces. And that's truth, in my opinion. Truth number three. Truth number four of the seven truths of a successful small firm partnership. Truth four is successful partnerships are respectful. And this is a very, very important one because there are times when uh, partners disagree and you need to be respectful. You need to be, um, uh, you need to, to understand that even when you don't agree with someone that you need to be respectful. You need to acknowledge their side of the of the argument and listen to be very very good listeners part of being respectful is to is to is to be a very good listener uh and that just that's not just hearing what someone has to say but actually stopping turning off what you are thinking about uh opening yourself up to the possibility that you may be wrong uh opening up yourself to learning something from the other person and listening and so successful partnerships are respectful. You need to also acknowledge their skills and their talents and, and understand their strengths and their weaknesses as well as your own and understand your own strengths and weakness and, uh, and respect others for those strengths and weaknesses. Um, I believe also that partnerships are, uh, again, much like success in marriage that you choose to love one another in a marriage. You, you choose to be successful and you choose to be respectful in a partnership, that it's not something that comes naturally. It's success is often intentional. Respect, respect is, is something that is intentional. It's something that is, um, uh, that is, that is learned and um, intentionally, uh, 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 intentionally st st striven, straw, st something that you strive for. It's very, very important. And, um, and I would say the last part of being respectful is trust, is that you need to, from your side of the partnership, you must earn your trust. You must, must show integrity and do the things that earn the trust of the partner, as well as um, uh, finding ways to, to, uh, to trust your partner. And so a successful partnership uh, must have lots of trust. If you, if you, if you don't trust the per person that you are a partner with, it's very unlikely that that partnership is going to be successful. And that is all part of being respectful. So number four, the fourth truth of a successful small firm partnership is that successful partnerships are respectful. Number five, number five, the fifth truth is successful partnerships are flexible. So even when you don't agree, you need to be flexible. You need to understand that there are two sides to this partnership, that there are two ways of looking at things. Um, any successful relationship, whether it be a marriage or a friendship or a business relationship or a partnership, uh, you must have flexibility. You must be able to bend. And um, there's, a, there's a saying about how trees 
uh, if they don't bend in the wind, they break. And so you must be flexible in order to be a successful partner. So that's the fifth truth is that you need to be successful. So the first five here in our seven truths of a successful small firm partnership, number one is successful partnerships are compatible. Successful partnerships have defined roles and responsibilities. Successful partnerships have dedicated separate workspaces. Uh, number four is successful partnerships are respectful. And number five is successful partnerships are flexible. And I would say number six may be the most important, uh, which is interesting because Anne-Marie and I uh, have not followed this one. But I would say that successful partnerships sign a written agreement. And like I said, Anne-Marie and I do not have a formal written agreement. Uh, we are 50-50 partners here at Five Cat Studio. Um, but but we are also married. And so we have a, a life agreement. And so certainly our partnership is not directly tied to our marriage, but um, we never actually considered having a formal written agreement. But I would say that um, successful partnerships have signed written agreements, whether you're married or not. But I would say this is generally about unmarried partnerships. Um, in a written partnership, the things that you really need to have in a written partnership or a written agreement is that uh, you want to define the ownership of your of your partnership. Who owns what? Uh, do you own equal amounts, equal equal shares in your firm? Uh, like Anne Marie and I are fifty fifty partners. She owns half of it, and I own half of it. Um, the, what's the value of the existing entity? So, if you are bringing on a partner, if you already have a business and you're bringing on a partner, what is the the value? What is the equity in your current firm? So you you must understand that and and who's getting what and and uh, does the new partner have equal equity in the in the the firm that you've built? Uh, so that needs to be decided. The profit and loss statement, uh, not statements, but the profit and loss. How how is profit and loss handled? Um, do you equally profit? Do you equally have equal liability in your in your partnership? Uh, legal terms and legal entity. Do you what is the legal entity of of your partnership? Is it a is it a an official partnership or is it a corporation where you both are shareholders? Anne Marie and I are. Uh, 50-50 shareholders in an S-Corp, which is McCarthy LePage Architects, PC, professional corporation. Five Cat Studio is a brand, is a, is a, um, it's a trademark. It's not a, uh, a legal business entity. McCarthy LePage Architects is our legal business entity. So uh, you need to have some sort of legal entity. And, and what are those legal terms and, and the entity? The defined roles, again, the defined roles and responsibilities, which is, which is from, uh, Number number two, uh, that needs to be part of your written agreement as well. What are your defined roles and responsibilities? You need to figure that out and have that written down so everybody's on the same page. Uh, who owns the intellectual property of your firm? Is it owned equally? Are all of the designs, no matter who designs them, equally uh, owned in equal shares? Or do the people who, who design them equal own them? So that's part of a, a written agreement. You might have a, a non-compete clause that if you do decide to split up, is there some sort of non-compete compete clause that that uh, you 
that someone who leaves the firm, leaves the partnership, can't go across the street, open up a new firm and take all the work that this current firm has. Uh, does your written agreement have a non-complete uh, non-compete clause? Exclusivity, working outside of the firm. Is there some sort of rule uh, or are there rules about working outside the firm, outside uh, taking on work that's not part of the firm's work? Is there Are there rules about that? And that needs to be decided on whether you do that or not. And then obviously with any written agreement, you need to have some sort of dispute resolution clause. So you understand that if there is a dispute and the and you uh, are arguing and it needs to get to the point where you need some sort of resolution that can't be worked out by uh, talking it talking it out, you, you go to the written agreement and that is how you um, resolve disputes. And then an exit strategy, a termination. If somebody wants to leave the partnership, what is the process of leaving a partnership? What are, what are the steps to do that? What is the, uh, the notifications and how, how, do the, how does the firm get broken up in that case? That all can be defined in a written agreement. So number six, the number six truth of a successful partnership uh, is successful partnerships sign a written agreement. And then the final truth in the seven truths of successful partnerships, successful partnerships must have an alignment of vision. They must have the same story. They must be telling the same story. Uh, when Anne-Marie and I launched Five Cat Studio, we both knew what we wanted. We both wanted the same thing. We both wanted to be a residential architecture firm. Uh, we both wanted to grow. We both wanted to uh, uh, be situated here in Westchester County. All of the things, we all we had the same vision, the same uh, um, view of the future. And so successful partnerships should have an alignment or must have an alignment of vision to be successful. You, you need to have similar values in your partnerships and goals and, and a similar mission. You need to understand that this is where the firm is going to go because if one partner is thinking, okay, uh, I want to grow this thing into a national brand and the other partner wants to sit in their studio and design residential additions and they're happy doing that, that's a very big misalignment of vision. And a partnership like that is unlikely to succeed. And so uh, you need to have an alignment of vision. Um, also, when you have a disagreement that you want to make sure that, uh, that, your, that your big picture is the same and that you understand that you're both moving in the same direction. And so when you do have some sort of um, uh, disagreement in, in your partnership that having an alignment of vision that you both want to end up in the same place uh, can help you resolve those disputes. And so those are my seven truths of a successful small firm partnership. Many of them are personal. Uh, many of them are, are um, things I learned during our uh, video conference at the Academy. So the seven truths of a successful small firm partnership is one is a successful partnership is compatible. Uh, successful partnerships have defined roles and responsibilities. Successful partnerships have dedicated workspaces. Number four is successful partnerships are respectful. Number five is successful partnerships are flexible. And number six is successful partnerships sign a written agreement. 
And number seven, successful partnerships have an alignment of vision. So I want to know, what are your thoughts on partnerships? Did I leave anything out here? Because I'm sure there are things that that I uh, did not bring up that are uh, also truths. Or maybe you disagree. Maybe you disagree on some of my truths as being truths. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'd love to uh, understand your point of view. So go to the website and leave your thoughts at the show notes at entrearchitect.com slash episode 64. I would love to know what you think. If you like this episode or any other episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, please go to iTunes and leave me a review because this is how you may help me spread the word about Entrepreneur Architect and our gigantic global mission to become an influential force in this profession we call architecture. So please go to Entrepreneur Architect at entrearchitect.com slash iTunes or in iTunes, just search for Entrepreneur Architect and you'll find us. And if you're interested in learning more about Entrepreneur Architect Academy, please go to entrearchitect.com slash academy. Check out what we have uh, going on over there. I'd love for you to join us. And uh, show notes and a direct link, download link for this episode. Uh, you may find that at entrearchitect.com slash episode 64. And before we go, this week's quote of the week. This is from Steven Spielberg, one of the most creative people on the planet. I love creating partnerships, he says. I love creating partnerships. I love not having to bear the entire burden of the creative storytelling. Not only do I benefit, but the project is better for it. I love creating partnerships. I love not having to bear the entire burden of the creative storytelling. Not only do I benefit, but the project is better for it. Do you have projects that would be better if you partnered with others? My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect. I'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything i'm I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well we'll buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm where do we begin we don't even know what type of business to formalize as is it an llc is it an llp like how are taxes i mean the list is astronomical season one featured founders jeffrey lexi and chris owners of level studio architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio one evening stumbled into one last dive we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that 
then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us can we do this are we ready to do this are we prepared can we do it did we just decide a name <laughs> i did it guys oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere Woo! it came out of nowhere i liked it i saw it ready to turn your aspirations into reality follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to emerging and chart your own path to architectural success Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.